Hello and welcome to The Brag. I'm Sean Feltz. And I'm Father Matthew Ball. And welcome to our episode three. Big. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Step by step. Really getting our, our footing. Uh, this is awesome. Today we're going to talk about uh, St. Edmund Campion, SJ. And why are we doing that, Sean? Oh, this is a great question, Father. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, this is where we derive so much of who we are here at the Catholic Study Center, especially this podcast, uh, which and people have been asking, why is it called The Brag? Yeah. Today you're going to you're gonna find out. You're going to find out. You're going to find out all of the things. Great. All right. So to get started, let, uh, let's just uh, let's just discuss who Campion is real quick. Right? Well, maybe some quick so facts about quick, his life to facts, get a sense yeah. of where he fits. He's born in the city of London back in 1540, which is actually the year that the Society of Jesus is founded in Rome. Kind of interesting. And within 41 years, he's killed in the same city of, of London in 1581 as a Jesuit priest in something that was a huge sensation for the whole country. There were many people there and many people deeply affected by it. Um, if you've seen the movie Braveheart, you'll know a little bit about how he was killed. Did you see that, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> final scene, kind of gruesome scene. Yeah. So kind of yeah. picture picture um, Mel Gibson as, as Edmund Campion. Oh, wow. Uh, it was a gruesome, gruesome death. They, it's called um, being hanged, drawn, and quartered. And what they would do, it was only reserved for the most serious offenses. It was for people convicted of high treason, you know, mm -hmm. so contrary yeah. to the nation. Uh, they would drag you across the city. Then they would hang you until you were m almost dead, but take you down before you were totally dead. Oh my gosh. Lay you out, split you open, burn your entrails in front of you before they finally killed you by lopping off your head. And then that wasn't even enough. They would then cut you into four pieces and place you... Um, in a public place so that people would know not to do what you did, which is, you know, be a Jesuit priest. So, all right. Uh, and that's all we have time for today. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, the that's the a light episode today. Come back for episode four <laughs> in which we talk about happier things. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's quite gruesome. Yeah. So he was, you know, people know him as a brave figure because to go through, to know that you're facing that, that kind of death, yeah. Um, and still will be willing to do it is a, is a major thing. What, there's one neat slew co connection to... Yeah, I was wondering. Actually, yeah, because yeah. he, um, you know, he's been venerated in the Catholic Church for a long time, but he was beatified, which is the first big step, mm -hmm. in 1886. And at that point, the Father General of the Jesuits in Rome was a slew grad. Ah, oh, very cool. Yeah, Jesuit, a, uh, a Swiss Jesuit named Anton Maria Anderlady. He had finished his theology studies at SLU because they got kicked out of Switzerland. Oh, really? So oh. at the first time that Edmund Campion can be celebrated, he was um, he was asked to be venerated by a SLU grad in Rome. That's very cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we got a cool claim there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that gives you a sense for basically the shape of his life. Yeah. No, well how about we set the scene now for, for sort of what it was like to be a Catholic in 16th century England. Yeah. yeah, it's so different from our age in some ways. It's you got to kind of enter into that world. I mean, one thing that people know is that with Henry VIII, the status of Catholicism becomes, um, uh, it, it, the situation becomes tumultuous in England. Sure. And what people don't always remember is that um, Henry VIII's daughter, Queen Mary, was herself a Catholic. Right. And so actually what happens at Henry VIII's death is the status, legal status of Catholicism keeps shifting back and forth. It's legal, it's illegal, it's supported, it's not supported. Mm -hmm. What that means is for someone like Edmund Campion, when he's growing up as a boy, 
he still belongs to a devoutly Catholic family. And there's a lot of support for Catholicism. When he goes to Oxford as an undergrad, he goes to a college at Oxford, newly founded under Queen Mary, to train Catholic priests. Oh, wow. So there's still, Catholicism is still very much alive in his England. Um, but shortly thereafter, Queen Elizabeth, etc., the, the um, 1550s, 1560s, things get serious. And... Um, Campion himself is sort of not sure what to do. He's caught in that world yeah. in between the new Anglican church and the Catholic church. Um, one thing that might help our listeners to enter into that world is um, that the way that Catholicism survived actually was in a lot of private manor houses. So you had family, Catholic families of means who still wanted to be able to celebrate the sacraments mm. and they were hiding priests in their, their houses and they had nuns and whatnot. Um, but, you know, very much in a dangerous kind of way because the government starts hunting for these people. Um, uh, we're going to play a clip, I think. Yeah. You've got something for us. Yeah, during during this time of, of sort of the house masses and, and being hidden, uh, a lot of really interesting and really cool, really beautiful music came out, uh, especially from this guy named William Byrd. Yeah, great uh, composer. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. We were talking about him earlier. Um, he's really, really incredible. And so a lot of his music was um, designed to be sung with just a few voices in sort of a house setting if need be. Right. So just to sort of give some context, we're going to play it. This is the Ave Verum Corpus that he made. Um, so let's just hear that. Let's hear it. You can imagine, and you know, you've got to get a sense of the stakes there. So people, to be able to hear these masses in these houses, they're really risking their lives and their fortune and whatnot. Yeah. And Bird and Tallis and these other great English, really Catholic composers are composing music that can be sung in a house in a small kind of intimate way. Right. And it produces this beautiful music. Yeah. Uh, so Campion would have been celebrating a lot of masses like that, maybe even with this music from Bird. Right. That's so incredible. Uh, we maybe should mention, you know, that because priests had to, to hide in these houses, these houses had secret hiding places uh, built right. into, you know, the paneling and whatnot. And there was this great Jesuit brother, Nicholas Owen, who went all over the country. And he could do it because he didn't have any kind of, you know, mm -hmm. status or whatnot um, uh, to uh, build these priest hiding holes. You can still see them if you go to England to this day. Wow. Uh, that final scene in the movie Skyfall, the James Bond movie, yeah. shows some priest hiding holes if people have seen that. <laughs> um, so really kind of dangerous things. But that's, that's, that's 16th century Catholicism in, in England. Pretty wow. dangerous, dangerous stuff. The risk. The risk of the faith. Yeah. Um, okay, Father. So, so let's talk some more about who, who Campion was. As, as a, albeit later, brother of his, <laughs> what, well, yeah. why, why don't you tell us just a little bit about sort of yeah, his story. Well, you've got to start with Campion before he enters the Society of Jesus, because he, here he is, a student and then a scholar at Oxford, and he quickly became one of the most renowned scholars, not only at Oxford, but of course, because of Oxford's status in the whole country mm. of, of England. 
And uh, when the queen comes, the queen, queen Elizabeth comes for a visit in, uh, I believe it's 1566, right around that time. She visits um, Oxford for the first time in her reign. And Campion is one of the people who is deputed to give a great oration. Mm. He actually um, comes before her in two different occasions and does a kind of typical 16th century university lecture slash debate. And she's so impressed that her two of her top officials um, end up offering, they becoming become um, patrons of Campion. Mm. He's on the scene. He's someone that they understand wow. is an important figure that they would like in you know, the administration of the government, in the administration of this new church. And he, of course, feels great um, ambiguity about that because like any amb- ambitious young man, he's happy to have the support. But he has doubts about whether this church is actually in union with Rome. Right. And finally, uh, he determines that it's not. And that's when he leaves the country. And uh, so you get into now a second stage of his life, this great period of discernment, which I think a lot of our listeners can um, can relate to. What's God asking of me? What should I do? You know, right. yeah. he goes to Dublin for a period and then he decides, no, you know what? I need to go to this place on the continent, on the European continent, where English citizens are training to be priests to come back to their country and to um, to support the faithful in their attempt to continue practicing the old faith. So he goes and while he's there, he learns about the relatively new society of Jesus Mm -hmm. makes a retreat, determines that God's asking him to, um, to enter the society. And he goes to Rome and gets permission to enter the society at which point they promptly send him to Prague, which Mm -hmm. in those days was Bohemia. Mm -hmm. And he he makes his novitiate out there, uh, ends up being ordained a priest and then he does what Jesuits typically do. He started teaching in mm-hmm. one of the Jesuit colleges in Prague. He was a very beloved professor. His students, um, one of the things he's most known for is writing a number of plays, which they produce. That was very common in the early society. Uh, so they would produce these huge productions, uh, many of which we still have in, in written form. Very beloved professor. Very cool. That's awesome. Finally, at the end, you know, he comes back to England. Right. Uh, and people knew, you know, the moment you enter England, you're basically signing your death death right. warrant. Yeah. So he enters under an assumed name, starts moving around the country. He manages to live for just over a year at ministering to people in England. Um, you can imagine what that was like. I yeah. Mean, just incredible. Every night moving to a different place. And right. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Truly an incredible man. Incredible yep. saint. Um, so then the brag, I think that, that leads us in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he did not call it the brag. He did not. In fact, he yeah. did not want to be understood as bragging, which we'll hear in a, in a second. Right, exactly. Yeah, in reading it, it actually directly says that. Why don't, why right. don't we just read some of the Yeah, we should do that. Just and maybe right just to it. give people a sense, um, there were some of these you know, English Catholics who were saying, you look, you need to explain to the country what you're doing. Could you write something that we could have copied? Right. And in 30 minutes, he writes this beautiful document. We'll um, eventually put some links on our webpage so people can read the whole thing yeah. but um, astonishing beautiful uh, let's hear some passages yeah here I'll, I'll start us off here uh, from his first section I confess that I am albeit unworthy a priest of the Catholic Church and through the great mercy of God vowed now these eight years into the religious order of the Society of Jesus hereby I have taken upon me a special kind of warfare under the banner of obedience and also resigned all my interest of or possibility of wealth, honor, pleasure, and other worldly felicity. Felicity, sorry. 
Yeah, and I think we should take him at his word there. He really did consider himself unworthy. I mean, yeah. there's a deep humility that you see here. Right. Um, a little further down in the document, he tells us this. Here's what he's here to do in England. My charge is of free cost to preach the gospel, to minister the sacraments, to instruct the simple, to reform sinners, to confute errors. He's there to be a priest. You know, yeah. He's there to take care of God's faithful. That's it. Not assuming any sort of alternative motive or anything. Just yeah, he's not there to overthrow the queen. He has no interest in politics. He's there to, to serve the people in yeah. the faith. And he does even reference that more directly too. It, we won't we won't read this one. Yeah, but yeah, he says that. Says that uh, I have no no interest nor, and I'm also strictly forbidden by our father to deal in matters of the state or policy. Right. Which is why it's so ironic that they convict him of treason, which is a crime against the state. Right. He's not interested at all in t- in toppling the state. What he wants is to help restore the old faith. Right. Uh, and further down. Um, I would be loath to speak anything that might sound of any insolent brag or challenge, <laughs> especially being now as a dead man to this world. Yeah, like crucified with Christ. Yeah. Kind of thing. But he doesn't want to brag, he says. He doesn't want to brag at all. So it challenge. wasn't him who called it the brag. It wasn't, he right. wasn't the one that called it's it more the of a brag. nickname. Yeah, yeah, I think, in fact, it was the Queen's close advisors who thought it was so insolent that anyone should, you know, announce what he was doing, that they called it the brag, and Catholics subsequently adopted it. Right. There's a very famous passage that we would be remiss not to quote uh, toward the end of the the brag. It's actually um, for Campion students here, you know, Catholic Study Center students at SLU. You'll see it in our um, seal, the very end of it. Uh, It's important to us. It's also in the Society of Jesus, a passage that we read each year on his feast day. Mm -hmm. Here it is. And touching our society, that's the Society of Jesus, be it known to you that we have made a league all the Jesuits in the world, whose succession and multitude must overreach all the practice of England, cheerfully to carry the cross you shall lay upon us, and never to despair your recovery while we have a man left to enjoy your Tyburn, that's where they put people to death, or to be racked with your torments, or consumed with your prisons. The expense is reckoned, the enterprise is begun. It is of God, it cannot be withstood, so the faith was planted, so it must be restored. Yeah, that last line, especially that's in our seal and everything. Right. Yeah, people will see so it. The faith was planted. The uh, people frequently talk about the reckoned expense as coming out of Campion. We understand it's a huge burden to um, to carry out uh, our great duty to the faith, and yet it's a sweet burden. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think sort of the final question that I tend to get yeah. for, from people about this is why. Why us? Why do we take this name? Why do we take this banner? What's the significance? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple things just to kind of set the context. A lot of Jesuit educational institutions around the world see Campion as a great hero Mm. because he was a man of very serious study. You know, he was known long before he was a Jesuit or a martyr. He was known as a a, a serious student. Mm. So you'll find a bunch of the Jesuit institutions around the world have a kind of uh, a great love of Campion, but I don't know. For you, what would you say? Like, what can we take from his example? I think I think there's a lot of things. I think probably most notably is that sort of humble, um, very pastoral approach that he has. Yeah. Um, you know, several times he says, like, "I'm unworthy." For you sure. Know, uh, he doesn't make any sort of brag or challenge. Right. It's right. very. 
um, that you can sort of feel the the sense that he's trying to give. I think, and I th- you see it in his life. I mean, he he never was he was never even spoiling for martyrdom. It wasn't like it was not um, an attempt at glory for him. In fact, mm-hmm. he was very happy just being a professor of rhetoric and philosophy mm-hmm. in Prague. Right, and then he understood, no, God's asking me to do this, um, and he was willing to do it. It's a great humility. Yeah. yeah, I don't know anything else. I don't know. I think I think he's a great example for us. Like we've said so many times, as, as sort of an academic, yeah. uh, being a college campus. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's part of who we are, right? Big part, right? Um, so that's I remember when I was um, still studying. I was studying at Oxford myself, and I read the famous biography of Campion by yeah. Evelyn Wall, the famous uh, author of Brideshead Revisited. And I just thought, boy, I want to be a Jesuit. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he had a similar experience, like seeing the heroic ideal. It's maybe a little bit romantic until you start having to move from house to house every night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, then it wears know. off, huh? <laughs> yeah. But it, and this is something I think that can help us. We live in an age of conformity. Yeah. Um, and people, you know, people are, are trying to be nonconformist. But here's a way that we can be nonconformist in a positive sense. It's mm. Our faith requires a lot from us. It requires total commitment. And in someone like Campion, who knows that what's waiting for him is a Braveheart-style death, and he's still willing to do it, Mm. um, that kind of heroism is something that can help us, it can inspire us. Most definitely. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's all we have time for today. If you're wanting to learn more about Edmund Campion, uh, we're going to be working on getting resources out there published on our website. but also feel free to check out that biography by Evelyn Waugh. Read the biography, yeah. Well, find the brag is easily found online. People can find That's that. True. Yeah. Um, and also, here in the Catholic Study Center next semester, so spring 2021, Dr. Hilary Fenley, one of our own, yeah. is offering a course on Shakespeare in this period of the, uh, the Catholic Church in England mm-hmm. where people were doing exactly the kinds of difficult um, sacrifices yeah. that, that Campion had. It's uh, uh, yeah. Shakespeare the Papist, right? Shakespeare the Papist, Shakespeare that's Shakespeare right. the Papist, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be great. Great. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us today, and we will see you next time.